0: let God transform your life as you listen to this inspiring sermon by Reverend Richard C. Whitcomb. The marketplace was crowded as four-year-old Sun Bin followed his parents uh, buying vegetables in Sichuan, China. He was distracted by all the sights and sounds, and eventually Sun Bin got separated from his parents, but he didn't mind. He went off to play. As time went by, though, he noticed he didn't see anyone that he was familiar with around, and he felt very alone. So he got up and set off to find his parents, and then a nice, looking man came along and told him that he would help Sun Bin find his mother and father. He took Sun Bin by the hand and off they went. But the man was not out to help Sun Bin find his parents. He was out to kidnap him and he sold the little boy to a family thousands of kilometers away in Jiangsu. Sun Bin never saw his mother again. His parents tried desperately to find their little boy. They even quit their jobs and devoted themselves to searching for him. They put his pictures everywhere. They traveled around to different cities in the region. They gave their DNA at the police station. But all their efforts were in vain. A few years later, Sunbin's mother was diagnosed with cancer. She died murmuring her lost child's name thousands of kilometers away, Sun Bin didn't know why he'd been moved. He didn't know why he'd been taken to live with different people. As time went on, he couldn't remember where he came from and the memories started to fade. He forgot what his parents looked like. He forgot his family name. He forgot his connection to his family. But something stirred deep in Sun Bin all those years. Something that would not leave him. Although he couldn't say why, he always felt as if the people he were living with were not his real family. He felt that he was part of someone else, something else, somewhere else, that he belonged to someplace else. And so when Sun Bin became an adult, he set out to find the truth. He went to the local police station and gave his DNA sample. He joined an online platform for kidnapped children who were searching for their families. And then he waited. And one day the call came. There was a match for his DNA with a family who had lost their son 24 years earlier. All the details were exactly the same as his story. So in January 2015, Bin walked into a police station in Sichuan China to meet his father it had been 24 years he couldn't remember what he looked like he had no idea which man in the station was his dad but when the dad identified himself sun bin broke down in tears he fell on his knees and embraced his father and suddenly sun bin felt whole again There's a powerful truth in the amazing true story of son Bin and his reunion with his dad. How could he feel such emotion for a man he didn't even remember? How could he be determined to meet a man he couldn't think of? Why would he have gone to so much effort? Because you see, the fact is there is something inside of us that longs for family, that longs to belong. Family ties are some of the most powerful ties on earth. And the good news for each and every one of us is that God has designed you to belong to a family not just the earthly family you were born in but a special family a forever family a place in God's family where you can belong it goes deeper than any other bond you may not know the people worshipping around you but if you're a child of God you're connected in Christ we may not know one another as deeply as we do with our earthly family but there is a deeper bond and a connection and when we unite together in Christ and fellowship with one another, then a new grace is released to us in greater ways than we could ever imagine. And that's what God is calling all of us to today. He's calling us not only to connect with him as our father, but to connect with one another as a family in the place of grace. That's what we're going to discover in our sermon this morning. But before we go on, let's bow our heads and pray. Almighty and everlasting Father, we thank you that you've extended amazing grace to us. You sent your Son, Jesus Christ, to rescue us, to find us, and to lift us. And for that, we are eternally grateful. You've forgiven us and brought us into your family. Today we pray, Lord, that you also unite us with one another. Today we pray you'll give us a new revelation of the place of grace you've called us to live in, a place of unity and love with others in the body of Christ. Today, we pray you'll remove barriers from our hearts, remove bitterness from our hearts, remove the things that have separated us and held us back from entering deeply to the place of grace. We submit to you right now. We bind every voice of the enemy that would come to deceive or disturb or distract us. And in the name of the Lord Jesus, I loose the power of the Holy Spirit to give us light and life and love and love and grace we thank you by faith in jesus name and everybody said amen i want to ask you and invite you to take a moment and join your faith with mine right now put your hand on your chest and pray after me lord jesus speak to my heart change my life manifest your glory in me in jesus name amen and amen welcome to agape house welcome to the place of grace just turn to your neighbor say welcome to the place of grace you see, loving God and loving people is what life is all about. If you haven't figured that out yet, then you're missing out on the greatest things in life. I've been a pastor for many, many years, and I've had the honor of standing at the beds of those who are passing into eternity. I have been a pastor standing at the deathbed of men and women, and I can tell you I have never once heard a man on his deathbed say, Pasta, please go and bring me my certificates. Go and bring me my diploma. I want to look at my awards one more time. I've never heard a woman say, bring me my trophies. Bring me my awards and my certificates. I want to look at them i've never heard a man say bring me my gold ring or my diamond watch i want to hold it again i've never heard someone say bring me my phone i want to check my messages before i die no when life comes down to reality the thing that matters is the people we love and i've stood at deathbeds and people said bring me my family i want to hug my wife i want to bless my children i want to say goodbye because we are created by God for community and God has called us all to live in the place Of grace. You see, the fact is, grace comes to us when we unite with God's people. God hasn't called us just to a one time experience of grace, He's called us to live in grace. Last week, we looked at the amazing grace of God through the story of Mephibosheth. God is always looking for us, God is searching for us to lift us and to restore us. And when God restores us by His grace, He brings us to sit at His table with all the members of His family. Grace is not a one-time event. Grace is something we're to enter in and live in as we fellowship with one another. Let's discover three truths about the place of grace. And to help us do that, we printed sermon notes. They look like this. They're inside your bulletin, or you can download them for free online at our website and our social media pages. Go ahead and take out your notes and follow along with me as we discover the truth about the place of grace. And there at the top of your notes and on the screen ahead of you, is our scripture text for today. One simple verse, Ephesians 1, 5. Now we know that the message of God is on the notes and on the screen, but I believe God's word has the most power when it's in our hearts and on our lips. So I'm going to invite you guys to read it out loud together with me. Can you help me out today, Sammy? Come on, everybody. Here we go. Three, two, one, go. His unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless the reading of His Word to your heart today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. God's plan has always been the same, it hasn't changed. He's always had the plan of bringing us to Himself and into His own family. If you know what the Bible is about, you'll understand that this one sentence is a summary of the whole story of the Bible. The Bible is a story of God building a family. He's always wanted a family. He wants you to be part of that family and he's created you to need to be a part of that family. For you see, community is one of man's deepest needs. No matter who you are, no matter what personality type you have, you were created to live in community with others. You were made for relationships. After all, we were created in God's image, and God is a God of relationship. And in the Garden of Eden, when everything was perfect, nevertheless, God saw that man was alone. In Genesis 2.18, and God said, it is not good for man, what? We all know it. Say it with me. It's not good for man to be alone. Now, we often think of this as marriage. In fact, I'm surprised you bachelors didn't jump up and shout hallelujah today. Amen. That's okay. But It's not just about marriage. Consider for the fact that in reality, man wasn't totally alone. He had God. He was created for fellowship with God. And I mean no disrespect to the Almighty, but what the Bible is telling us that God alone was not enough for man. Man was created to need greater fellowship than just God. Our relationship with God is the most important thing, but it's not the only thing. He wants us to live in the place of grace with one another. So let's look this morning at three truths about the place of grace. And here's your first truth. The place of grace is where my needs are met. That's the powerful picture we have of the first church in the New Testament in in Jerusalem. Listen to Acts 4, 32 to 34. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and God's grace. Everybody say grace. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them. All that. There were no needy persons among them. In other words, the Bible tells us that when you come into the place of grace, grace meets your needs. No one was left behind, no one was left out. Every need was met in the place of grace. And the truth is, we cannot experience or receive everything that God has for us unless we are connected in the right way to the people of God. So here's the truth you need to pack up and take home with you you cannot fulfill. God's purpose for your life without other people. You may be strong and wealthy and successful and famous. You may be talented and educated, but you cannot have true success in life by yourself. You must be connected to God and his family in order to achieve his purpose. That's why the Bible says in Ephesians 4, Christ is the head of his body, the church. Under his direction, the whole body is fitted together perfectly and each part in its own special way helps the other parts so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. In other words, you need the church and the church needs you you're a part of the body. You can't exist without the rest of the body. If you're cut off from the body, you're cut off from the head. You can't say, I'll just separate myself and connect with Jesus. If the arm says, I don't like the chest, I don't like the way he's treating me, let me go and remove myself. I'll just remain connected to the head. Once the arm leaves the chest, the arm has also left the head. And Jesus never intended any of us to separate from one another. There is no such thing as an independent Christian. It is not possible to serve God and not serve people. It is hypocritical to worship God. Yesu fata. While you ignore and hate other people. It is unreasonable to think that your faith is private and it's not connected to any other people. When Jesus clearly taught us that we are all members of one body. If one part hurts, we all hurt. If one part does well, we all rejoice. If one sheep strays, we're all concerned. When one sheep comes back, we all rejoice. And the problem today is that modern society has become so fragmented. We're connected on the internet, but we seem to have lost that connection in person. People are living in isolation. Even tonight, if you go to the top restaurants in Accra, you will likely notice a table where there's a beautiful lady. Her blush matches her lipstick. Her lipstick matches her palm. Her polish matches her purse. Her purse matches her belt. Her belt matches her handbag. She is sure toe Opposite her is a man dressed to the nine who looks like a Hollywood movie star. And they're sitting there at an expensive restaurant, eating and drinking. And they both have their phones in front of their face. Hey! Brother, I rebuke you in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, even when the food comes, they're eating like this. I'm like, you could have gone to KFC and sat in a booth for less money if you want to sit on your phone. We become disconnected. And this has brought us the problem in the church today. We're disconnected. We attend fellowship, but we don't really belong. We hop from place to place. We're online one week, here next week, because we're not connected. But when we neglect to connect with one another, we risk losing out on the grace that God gives us when we're united with one another. This truth reminds me of the true, true, true story of Shrek the sheep. Shrek was a Merino male sheep living in New Zealand many years ago. Merino sheep are famous for the wool that grows on their back. In fact, the average Merino sheep will grow about 22 kilograms of wool every year on his back. And the shepherd is continually taking the, the wool off his back, and they use that wool to make men's suits and sweaters and other clothing items. But it seems that Shrek the sheep did not like being groomed and having his coat cut off. So back in 1998, Shrek escaped from the fold and ran off into the bush and hid. For six years, Shrek lived isolated on his own without the shepherd and without the other sheep. And his wool coat kept growing and growing. Finally, in 2004, Shrek was captured and this is how he looked. The wool had grown so heavy, it was covering his eyes. In fact, they took about 130 kilograms of wool from his back, enough to make 20 men suits. Had Shrek continued to live in isolation, it is very likely eventually the weight of the wool would cause him to fall over and he would be unable to get up again. And there's a lesson for all of us in the true story of Shrek the sheep. Isolating yourself from the body of Christ may make you feel good. You may think you don't need anybody telling you what to do. You may seem free, but in the end, isolating yourself from fellowship will weigh you down and wear you out. And if you fall over, you will not be able to get up again. That's why the Apostle Paul said in Philippians 1, 7, and 8, all of you share in God's grace with me. Here's the Apostle who wrote much of the epistles about the grace of God, saying clearly that grace never exists in a vacuum. God's grace is meant to be shared. That's why Hebrews 12:15 says, look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. And understand today that when we fail to care for other people in the body of Christ, when we fail to look after one another, we will also fail to receive the grace of God. If we're not careful, we will fall short. And the problem for many of us is that being committed to the church costs you something. There's a price to pay. You have to sacrifice. It's not always easy to stay committed to a body of believers when the people are not perfect. As you get close to the church, you find faults and weaknesses and problems in others. And sometimes people rub you the wrong way. We don't like this. We don't like that. And it requires that we die to self in order to love other people. This fact reminds me of the woman who went to the judge and said, Judge, I want a divorce from my husband. Then the judge said, Why? She said, I don't like him anymore. Then the judge said, Yes, but you promised to take him for better or for worse. She said, I know, but he's a lot worse than I took him for. And sometimes it's easier to run than to solve problems. Sometimes it's easier to go online or hop from church to church than to settle issues. But if you believe that the church is where your needs are met, then you will understand that God uses difficulties in our fellowship to produce genuine love in our heart. You'll realize that when you are committed to one another love, it requires you to grow. And that brings us to our second truth about the place of grace. The place of grace is where I grow. Everybody say grow. The fact is you can't grow in loving grace unless you're confronted with people who are difficult to love. You can't become more loving and more kind and more patient unless you get around people that try your patience. And you won't learn to be more like Jesus in relating to other people unless someone comes to hurt you and offend you. In fact, the more you're around difficult people, the more you have a chance to grow in God's love. See, God has called all of us to grow in grace. Listen to 2 Peter 3:18, but grow, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord. Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Then 2 Peter 1 2 he says, May God give you more and more grace and peace as you grow in your knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. Turn your notes over to page two and hear the truth that God is speaking to us. One of the best ways we can grow in grace is to be hurt. When someone offends you or wrongs you or insults you or hurts you, you have the opportunity to be like Jesus and grow in grace. That's why God will never prevent you from being hurt. You will never come to a place again where no one ever offends you. God will not take every difficult person away from you because if he did, you would never grow. After all, 1 Peter 1 7 says, Your faith is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Those fires that are uncomfortable and unpleasant are actually producing greater fruit, greater faith, greater gold in your life. When you're faced with a mean person who offends you, you have the opportunity to grow in grace. See, here's what you need to understand. God's grace does not increase. God has always been full of grace. Jesus came in John 1 14. It says, Jesus came full of grace. The grace of God does not increase. What needs to increase is your capacity to receive God's grace. The only way you can grow in grace is if your capacity to receive grace increases. And your capacity for Grace can only increase when you're challenged to love the unlovely, to forgive those who offend you, and to extend grace to the undeserving. For the fact is, you can't love God if you don't love his people. Your commitment to Jesus is no greater than your commitment to his church. For 1 John 4 says, if someone says, I love God, but hates a Christian brother or sister, that person is a liar. Tell your neighbor, no, don't do that. <laughs> For if we don't love people we can't see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? And he has given us this command, those who love God must also love their Christian brothers and sisters. And today, too many people Avoid the church because they say, there are imperfect people there, the way they behave. And it's true, the church is not perfect, but neither are you. Tell your neighbor he's talking about you. This reminds me of the fact that once there was an old woman who liked to sit in her parlor, criticizing all her neighbors. She was very fond of finding fault and telling her husband all about why they were wrong. She would sit in a rocking chair day after day, criticizing all the people around her. But she took her especially with the people across from her. There was a young married couple and she always had it out for the newly married wife over there. Ah, look at them, their clothes are dirty. Even after the woman across the street will wash the clothes and hang them to dry, the old lady would say, ah, she didn't wash well, I... Tea, her poor husband. She doesn't know how to wash her clothes. Hey. This went on for many weeks until finally the husband had had enough. So one Saturday morning, the husband of the old woman, they woke up and he said, dear, let's do something fun together today. Let's just take an hour and clean our windows in our parlor. So they got water and soap and cloth and they cleaned the windows. And when they finished, they sat down to rest. And to the shock of the old woman, she looked out and saw that suddenly the people across the street, their clothes were now clean because the problem was not that their clothes were dirty. The problem was that her window was dirty. Hello, welcome to Agape House. Friends, Agape House is not a perfect church, we are not. We make mistakes, we're made of people and people aren't perfect. I know this may be hard to believe, I know it's hard to understand, but even I, I am not a perfect pastor. Who said amen? Hey, I'll see you after. Ushers, I've made mistakes. I have areas where I need to grow. If you're looking for a perfect church, you will not find it in Accra or in Ghana or in Africa or anywhere on earth because there's no perfect church until we get to heaven. But the fact is, I would rather attend church with hypocrites than go to hell with hypocrites. Offenses may come. Sometimes someone didn't greet you well. Sometimes the usher will say, sit here, and you don't want to sit there. Sometimes the music is too loud, the air conditioning is too cold, and God forbid you went to the car park and they told you to park where you didn't want to park. Hey, and I did. But as forgiven children of God, we must live in the spirit of forgiveness. For the fact is, you can't grow in grace unless you give grace away. That's what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 9. Listen carefully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart. Not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And we all think money. He's talking about money. No, not necessarily. He's talking about a principle. Listen to how he continues. And God is able to make all grace. Somebody shout grace. God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, supply and multiply the seed you've sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness and understand and hear the heart of this passage today you will reap what you sow and if you need more grace you need to give more grace away God will make all grace abound to you when you give it generously for what you give generously comes back to you when you give love love comes back to you when you give mercy mercy comes back to you for in Matthew 5 7 Jesus said blessed are the merciful for they will obtain mercy and in Luke 11 4 Jesus said "Forgive." Us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And if your heart is full of jealousy and anger and bitterness and hatred and racism and lying and competition with others, the love of God is not inside of you. If you are consumed with gossip and criticism and pulling down other people, how can you say the love of God is in you? If you can't love the people you do see, you don't love the God you don't see. If your heart is filled with racism, you need to repent It's time to stop making excuses and stop fighting one another and stop going on social media to blast one another. It's time to stop tearing down the body of Christ and start loving one another. It's time to do less preaching and more showing the love of God by loving one another. For the truth is the church is called to be the place of grace. And grace comes to us as individuals through the love and mercy of Jesus Christ and it also comes through one another. For the evidence that you've truly received God's grace is that you become more gracious. Grace received becomes grace given. The hallmark of people who understand the grace of God is that they extend grace to others. That brings us to our third truth today. The place of grace is where I am forgiven and I forgive. You see, the beautiful news is we're all the same at the foot of the cross, whether white or black, rich or poor, male or female, educated or illiterate, wealthy or poor. We're all the same. We've all received God's grace. For Ephesians 1, 6 to 7 says, so we praise God for the glorious grace he's poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich and kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins we've been forgiven we've been washed by the blood of the lamb we've been adopted into his family we've received grace and now God says turn around and give that same grace to the someone next to you from Matthew 10:8 Jesus said, "Give as freely as you have received." And the Bible says in Ephesians 4:32, "Be kind and loving to each other. Forgive each other the same as God forgave you through Christ." As God forgave you, forgive others. That's the lesson that a man named Anthony Colin had to learn. Anthony Colin grew up in a tough neighborhood in New York City with his older brother Wilfredo All through their early years, Wilfredo looked out for his younger brother, Anthony. Anthony says, I loved him because he always stood up for me as a little kid. He would stand up for me, whatever happened, because he always saw the goodness in me. But then tragedy struck. One day, Wilfredo was standing out on the street in front of their apartment house when drug dealers came by and shot him. He had no connection to them, wasn't involved in their deals. They just shot him and killed him and left him to die. And when Wilfredo died, something died inside Anthony. Wilfredo's death just put so much hate in my life, said Anthony. I hated everybody. I hated everything. It made me like a monster. Even though the men who shot and killed Wilfredo were sentenced to jail, the rage still burned inside Anthony's heart. He was angry. It seemed nothing could ever free him from the loss of his brother, And the loss of peace. But then one day Jesus Christ walked into Anthony's life. The message of grace, the message of the gospel, the message of forgiveness, new life, came and shined on Anthony. And he received Jesus. Suddenly in that moment, his heart was changed. Suddenly in that moment as he received grace, grace poured into him to forgive others. The Lord put in Anthony a desire to forgive those who'd murdered Wilfredo. He began praying them, forgiving them, and asking God to give them grace. And the transformation in Anthony was so dramatic that he started serving God. He joined a ministry called Exodus that goes into prisons and ministers the gospel to prisoners and and helps to disciple them. And One day as Anthony went to prison, he turned the corner in the corridor, and all of a sudden he came face to face with Michael Rowe, the man who'd murdered his brother. Michael Rose saw him and turned to run and hide but there was nowhere to go in the prison and Anthony came after him and suddenly Anthony embraced him and said, I forgive you. I forgive you. I forgive you. The forgiven one forgave. The wounded one brought healing. The one who received grace gave grace away. The same thing can happen to you today, here in the place of grace. It may seem difficult to forgive those who've wronged you. There may be burning anger or hatred in your heart. But you've received grace. I've received grace. We've all received grace. For Acts 15, 11, says, we believe we are all saved the same way by the undeserved grace of the Lord Jesus. And as God offers you his undeserved grace today, he offers to wash you of your bitterness, wash you of your unforgiveness, wash you of your hatred, the disunity, the division, and bring that grace to your heart so that you can extend it to others. Maybe it was your family that dropped you. Maybe it was your family that hurt you, ignored you. Maybe it was your own mother and father that insulted you and turned against you. But there is grace for you today to forgive them. Maybe it was a fiancé who promised and proposed but never came through. Maybe it was someone in your workplace. Maybe it's people in your compound or even your own best friend. Maybe, God forbid, maybe, maybe it was someone in a church who hurt you. Maybe it was a pastor. People didn't treat you right. And I'm here today in the name of Jesus to stand on behalf of all pastors everywhere and all churches everywhere and ask you to forgive us. Forgive us for failing you. Forgive the church for hurting you. Forgive the pastors who didn't attend to you. Forgive us in Jesus' name. We're not perfect people, but we're getting perfected. And we're growing as we receive grace and give grace. So today, get more grace. Increase your capacity to receive God's grace by opening your heart, giving him all the bitterness, all the pain, all the hurt, all the rage, all the offense, all the impatience, Surrender it at his feet and say, Lord, as you've forgiven me, I forgive others. You'll find power, joy, and peace here in the place of grace. Let's just take a moment today. And let God's grace come upon us. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask you to move in our hearts and lives. Soften our hearts today. Melt our hearts with your love and your grace. We've received so much from you. We're blessed. We have a heartbeat in our chest. We have you every day calling us your children. Help us, Lord, to take this great gift of grace and share it with others. Move in us by the power of your Holy Spirit. Here. In the place of grace, in Jesus' name. God bless you for listening to this message. Reverend Richard C. Whitcomb is the senior pastor of Agape House New Testament Church in East Legon. If you are ever in Accra, we will like you to worship with us on Saturday night at 6 p.m. or on Sunday at 7.30 a.m., 9.30 a.m. and 11.30 a.m. You will have an awesome experience.